This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Joyful Courage, a conscious parenting podcast where we tease apart the challenges and nuances of parenting through the adolescent years. I am your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and adolescent lead at Sproutable, where we celebrate not only the growth of children, but also the journey and evolution that we all get to go through as parents. This is a place where we keep it real. Real stories, real parenting. The teen years are real messy and there aren't many right answers. But the more we trust ourselves and trust our teens, the better the outcomes can be. The parenting we talk about over here is relationship-centered. You won't find a lot of talk about punishment, consequences, or rewards. What you will hear is a lot of encouragement about connection, curiosity, and life skill development. Our teens are on their own journey. And while we get to walk next to them for a bit, we don't get to walk for them. Their work is to learn from the tension of their life. Our work is to support them and love them along the way. I'm so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. So listeners, I'm so glad that you're back today, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest, Amy Lang. Amy is my friend and has been on my speed dial since my kids were little. We've had many an OMG, what should I do conversation, starting with, that's me saying that. She's been a sexual health educator for over 25 years. In 2006, she started Birds and Bees and Kids, which you might be familiar with. I talk about it all the time. With her lively, engaging, and down-to-earth style that we all love, she helps parents become more comfortable and confident talking with their kids. Amy's books, online solution center, and podcasts show parents they really can become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. She's still married to her first husband, and they're getting the hang of parenting their recently launched man-child, keeping it real. She lives in Seattle, and you can learn more about her work at birdsandbeesandkids.com and at bbkpros.com. Hi, Amy. Welcome back. Thank you. Yes. Listeners, you are probably already familiar with Amy. I'm a super fan. She was my guest on episode eight, 
on episode 27 and on episode 286 of the pod. Plus, she was one of my experts for the Sex Ed for Parents of Teens mini summit. She's, like I said, been on my speed dial. We met way back in 2007 when we both took the Teaching Parenting the Positive Discipline Way training. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad you're my friend. <laughs> I am same, 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 same. It was, I'm so glad we took that class together. <laughs> Me too. You know that I did not know that parent education was a field. <laughs> well, and there you were in that training. I was like, oh, this is the thing. Oh, I should maybe take some lessons. And then, <laughs> yes, there we are together. There we are together. Actually grouped together with our shared gift of being on the controlling side of things. What? Remember, we did the top card activity and we both ended up in the control group. <laughs> and that's when I knew like, this is a soul system. We're going to be good friends here. Totally. Oh, that's so funny. Just side note, because this is really important to our conversation today, but I played pickleball this morning. I've been playing pickleball and mm. I am the playground monitor. Oh. So I am like, get away from there. Move over here. Please don't bother that person. I'm the total with the adults. Monitor. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Nice, With the grown-ups. Nice. Everybody grown-ups. needs anyway. people like us. They do. Okay. Anyway, so, let's talk yeah. about sex. Yes. Well, you have a ton of resources for parents, all of which are brilliant and useful. You have a new resource, a book for parents of tweens, Sex Talk with Tweens. Tell me about why you wrote this book. I wrote this book because for the last 17 years, the one big question parents always have is just tell me what to say. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? How should I say that? Just tell me what to say. So I decided to just tell everyone what to say because I'm a top card of a controller. <laughs> That's right. Here you go. I will help you. So you do tons of talks. We talk a lot to parents of young kids, and I'm sure there's always those sweet, sweet parents of teenagers in the crowd. What do you hear from parents of older kids around what they're most afraid of? Well, I think everyone is afraid that their child was like a handful of things, right? I think people that are parents of teens are afraid that their child's really just not prepared, right? They really just have not given them enough information that when they get out there and are thinking about getting busy, that they don't like fully understand consent. You know, people with folks who have ovaries and identify as girls, they're, you know, scared for them, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of being safe and sexual assault and all that nasty stuff. And people with tallywhackers, (laughs) there's concern that they're not going to be I'm going to say a terrible word, gentle men, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? They're not going to be thoughtful partners. Like we want all that for them. And I think that that is kind of the overriding stuff. It's kind of around health and safety, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, well, really at the end of the day, this whole conversation is about health and safety. And I think, you know, the other piece just personally, have I done enough? Have I said enough? Am Mm -hmm. I doing this right? Have I given them too much information? Like where are my blind spots? Or, you know, for some folks, it's like, okay, Good luck. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Don't get in trouble. Don't get pregnant. Don't get an STD. Don't rape anyone. Like, <laughs> sorry, that was kind of harsh. But, I, well, it's interesting too, like in my own experience of having a daughter and having a son, how easy it is for me to put my daughter in the victim spot and to put my son in the, you know, perpetrator, the victimizer spot. And I have to pull back and remember, even though, I mean, more often than not, it is the male that's hurting the female. It can be the other way as well. It can be the other way as well. And so that's just a little something I thought was interesting. Where did you find as, you know, you've raised a grown-ish, he's getting there, almost a fully developed brain. Man-child. What were you surprised by in your own experience 
Because, I mean, come on, we're all, I'm a parent educator too. And it's like, oh yeah, I can handle all of it. And then I realize where my gaps are. Where were your gaps? What were the things that were like, ah? Well, as you all may recall from hearing me speak 7,000 times, that he told me that he would rather talk to strangers than me or his dad about sex. And they would never ask me a question. So I was faced with this person who's very private mm-hmm. and very like tight-lipped. And I think he did it to torture me because, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Like, wouldn't you, if you were an adolescent and your mom was like, hey, let's, how's it going? And you'd be like, I ain't talking to you, sister. Yeah. So I think the places that I kind of fell down that I see the holes now, I could have talked more about just, I feel like I kind of missed the boat. I don't know. Like, I can't tell. I'm in a feedback loop. Like, mm-hmm. he seems to be healthy, happy, has a good relationship. But I would say that I probably did not talk enough about healthy relationships and how to get out right? But he's only had a couple of girlfriends. And so there wasn't a lot going on. You know, we would use his friends as examples. So what's going on over here and what's going on over there. So I got some data, had these inroads to talk with him. But I think that's one thing. The other thing that I think was a mistake is that I had condoms, but I didn't have plan B. Mm -hmm. I could have had plan B, which is the medication you can take if you have unprotected penis and vagina sex, and it prevents Mm -hmm. pregnancy. Well, you won't be able to get pregnant, but if you are already pregnant, it won't disrupt the pregnancy. So that's one thing that I wish I had been more like, and this. So if there ever was a scare that he had a backup, if, assuming his partner was down for that. So I don't know. I mean, I am bummed that he's like this. I worked hard, you know, get information into him. And I'm just yeah. waiting. My friend, Amy, who has older children says, I just got like two more years and then he'll start talking to me. Yeah. Two more years. Yeah. Just waiting. Just waiting, just waiting. So, staying open, staying yeah, non-judgmental. Yeah, right. Ish, yeah, as yeah, best ish, as we can. Ish. <laughs> it's always say ish. Anyway, you know, it's a hard space for me. That question's hard for me because yeah. I think he's fine. And here's the hilarious part. So we're good friends with his girlfriend's parents. So if I want to know what's going on with them, I just ask Teresa because mm-hmm. Sadie tells her everything. Mm-hmm. Sadie says that she tells her mom too much. So I'm like, great, just keep that up because I can perfect. get a eat on your relationship from them. Yeah, perfect. What I appreciate about what you shared, though, is I think. For parents of teenagers, it's this whole, like, they're going to do the deed. Like, you know, our experience of our teenagers experiencing sex, sexual intercourse, and we get so hung up there that, yeah, we miss those conversations about relationship. And I love what you said about getting out and what does that look like? And how do we do that with boundaries? How do we not be hurtful, but still be direct and clear and all of that good stuff? So I appreciate that. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. In the intro of your book, you talk about how the outcomes for kids are significantly better when their parents are open about talking about sex and sexuality with them. So talk a little bit about that. What are the outcomes that we're aiming for here? Well, the outcomes that I was aiming for and Carrie, my spouse and I were aiming for were that he have a really good sense of himself as a sexual person that he understand, you know, that he be, you know, in tune with, in touch with his gender and who he's attracted to. We hoped that he was able to really have good communication with his partners, that he Mm -hmm. had a sense of like, is this person right for me or not? That he used birth control and he was fully versed, right? Like we, I mean, he knows all the things, right? So that he really understood sort of the risks and our expectations. Like if he was involved in a pregnancy, And that person decided to continue the pregnancy and parent, guess what? You're a parent. You're in it. You're in it. You're in it. And we really hoped that he would wait until he was in a loving, committed relationship before he got full on busy with somebody. And so with kids, those are the outcomes, right? And so we're looking at low teen pregnancy rate, low STI HIV rate, really good sense of consent and confidence and open communication. Like those are the outcomes we see. The place we see them, the, the easiest place to see them is to look at countries like in Scandinavia, where they've got it all going on. And you look at how they have relationship. No, it's even about their bodies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it, being happy in your body is part of being a sexual person. 
And then if you just want to compare it to our teen sexual health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So Netherlands is number one in terms of teen sexual health outcomes. Like they're the best and we're number one in the worst. We're the worst Uh, in the developed world. The worst? The worst. Canada's the second worst, but they're like 30 points better than us. Like we are the worst. And you know, what that says is that it's up to parents to make sure that their kids are not like my goal was for us to be a little Netherlands, Mm -hmm. right? To have that kind of openness and communication and resources available because that works. And then the other thing too, is that we know that kids who have open communication with a trustworthy adult about sexuality and their bodies and relationships, they're safer from sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, if they're having consistent communication, they have a better sense of someone if they are not trustworthy, if they're creepy, if they're right. too good to be true, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I had a conversation with my daughter a while back and she was just telling me, you know, kind of lamenting about a particular relationship. And she said, all of a sudden I thought to myself, well, I don't want to be stuck in this. And my response, you'll be proud. I was like, oh, listen, you will never be stuck unless you're sharing a child. So keep taking your pill, keep using a condom. Like that's it. Done. Period. Yeah. 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 Totally. And so sex positive, I feel like sex positive is kind of like a catchphrase over the last couple of years. What does that even really mean? So I think when people hear sex positive, they think, okay, so that means you're like down with people having sex with 47 different people and hooking up wherever and just like getting busy in all kinds of different ways. So sure, that's actually not what sex positive means. I think it has this connotation of actual doing it. The real thing is that when someone says they're sex positive, like I'm a sex positive person. And what I mean by that is that I see sex as a healthy, wonderful, important, good part of life. I see it as a positive thing, not a thing to dread, to be afraid of, to like when we focus on all those negative things about like pregnancy and STIs, that's always going to be in there. But if that's your focus, that's not positive. But if your goal and your focus is like this healthy attitude, like you want, I want Milo to have, and I think he does have that like attitude about sex. Oh yeah, this is a good part of life. It's an important part of life. There's trouble. There's always trouble, but ultimately it's a good thing. The light side and the dark side. That's right. Yeah. And all that fucking gray. Oh man. So much in the middle. So when you talk to parents of teens and you know, I have a couple of questions that I'm seeing coming up in my community that we'll get to in a minute. What do you think is getting in the way? Like, why are parents of teens, what are you hearing as barriers to having conversations? Well, a person that says, I don't want to hear it. I know it all. Yeah, there's that. That, right? Like right there. And you're like, okay, You good. can still talk at them though, right? Oh, like sure. you can yeah, still yeah, say yeah. all the things. But we're yeah. uncomfortable, right? We didn't have good examples. We don't know what we're doing. We're terrified. Like this whole thing of I'm going to give them too much information. What does that look like? What should I be saying? And so the minute your kid's like, I already know it all. You're like, phew, you're 15. Of course you do. I'm out. Right. Right. So that's one of the things is that. And the other thing I just said is like, we don't know what we're doing. We just don't know what we're doing. And not having enough information ourselves is a problem. Our whole history and experience and our backgrounds, that all comes up when we talk with our kids or even think about it. And so you know, for those of us with sexual trauma, that's kind of front and center, right? And so you have to push through that, which some people just cannot. And, you know, if that's you, you don't have to do it. You can find somebody else that you trust that can be that person for your kid. And so it's those two things. And then the other piece is that we assume that our kids don't want to hear it. 
And that's just not the case. Like you are the best and most trustworthy resource for them. They do want to hear it from you. Now they may not act like it, but these days they can close their ears, but they can't close their ears. So like you said, you can just say, I need to talk to you about a sex thing. Give me three minutes, set your timer, blah, 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 blah. Do your thing. Or I have a small group called The Hive and we were just talking yesterday. And one of the things I was coaching them about is to just say, hey, I was just thinking, what do you know about blah, 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 blah? Like, what do you know about oral sex? Mm -hmm. And see what they do. And so that way you're just wading in Mm -hmm. and they're going to think you're weird and they're going to think, oh my God. But if you're not making any overt attempts, they don't know that you're open. Yeah. And you don't start with blowjobs. So you don't you, start with blowjobs. You guys, Amy has this great newsletter. I think you're still doing this where you have like a little like, hey, here's a topic. And one time I happened to open your newsletter and it was about polyamory and you wrote a little something about it. And I think my daughter was like 11 and I went into her room and I was like, hey, have you ever heard of polyamory? And she looked at me and she's like, no. And so I told her about it and she just, I mean, there was just nothing. She was just like, why are you telling me about this? It's like, I just thought I'd, you know, share something new. But that's something like you just said, am I going to say too much? And you say in your book, there is no too much. It's impossible for the regular folks to give too much information. Like we just are not wired that way. And so the worry is not giving them enough information. But I have a caveat. Okay. You can give them too much information about your own personal sex life. They do not want to hear about how many orgasms you had last night. They do not want to hear anything about your own personal sex life. So you don't have to share that. I mean, think about it. Do you want to know about your parents' sex life? No. Got zero. One time I was teaching a class and there was a gal who said, yeah, I'd like to know about my parents' sex life. And I'm like, you just, you do you. (laughs) That's a different class, lady. (laughs) A different class, right? And, you know, that just brings up, you know, I already talked a little bit about sexual trauma, but that's one of my beliefs around sexual trauma My belief is that we should not share our sexual traumas with our children until they can handle it. Mm -hmm. So if you experience some kind of rape or molestation, I think it's better for you to sit on that because they need to see you as healthy and whole. It's really hard to hear that your parent was traumatized. Mm -hmm. And so when they're older, 19, 20, 21, when they can make sense of that for themselves. And for you, that's a better time to talk about it. I do believe they should know that. The other thing is that if something happens to your child and the same thing happened to you while they're a child, then I think it's okay to say, I'm so sorry, the same thing happened to me Mm -hmm. or something similar happened to me. You don't need to go into four-part glowing harmony detail, Mm -hmm. but just making that connection. But yeah, generally speaking, just open your damn mouth. Yeah, yeah. I mean that lovingly. So your book, I was saying before we hit record, I knew it was scripts, but I didn't really realize that it was, I don't know what I thought, but I'm going through your book as I'm prepping for this. And I see that when you talk about orgasms, it's simply a sneeze with our privates, like as a way to describe orgasms, I need to know. Did you come up with that? Oh, God, no. That's Peter Mayle who wrote, where did I come from? And what's happening to me? It feels like a sneeze. It's the most equivalent. You know how good a sneeze feels, right? An orgasm feels like a sneeze, but down there. Um, Anyway, I don't know if I credited him. I should. I'm Um, sure you probably did. I I just was 
so yeah. caught up. I was like, yes, right. Yes, please. Right. More sneezes with the privates in right. my life. Especially clitoris havers. They need to know that that baby can sneeze over and over and over again. It's yep. her only job. Yep. 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 And the message is, and in your book and that you just proclaim across the land is we need to be talking to our kids. And it sounds so simple. Like we just need to talk about them. And myself included, sometimes we go into it and like, we have no words. Like I've been in conversations recently where all the words, all the things have left me. And again, and my listeners have heard me say this. I mean, we all want these open, honest relationships with our kids. And we might have kids that fall kind of where your boy is, where it's like, "Mm, no, thanks. And then we have kids that are super open, right? And then, so as a parent, I want to make sure, you know, I don't want to give the wrong response, right? So is it okay, tell me it's okay for us to say, you know what, this is hard for me to hear and to process right now. Can we come back in a few minutes after I've kind of taken some breaths? Because these are our babies, our grown babies. Yes, and yes, absolutely. Because what are you demonstrating? What do you do when you're flooded, right? You're you're talking about, you can't see each other. I'm flooded, I can't (laughs) handle this, right? You can't do that, but you can say, wow, thanks for asking. Thanks for telling me that. I'm noticing that I just need a minute. Let me think about it. I'm going to go get just a bottle of wine. I'll be right back. (laughs) Or a glass of water. Glass of water. I know. Wine or water, whatever. Float your boat, tea, whatever. Coffee. Um, Tea, it'll take you a minute. Get tea. I'm going to get get some tea. I'm going to go run away. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, if you say, uh, oh, wow, you know, I just need to think about this. And you can even say, oh, wow, I'm really surprised to hear you tell me that. That's okay. All okay to say. You can even just sit there and say, okay, let me think about this. And then say, okay, this is what I want to say. Because mm-hmm. when we do that, we're showing how we have communication about sexual issues. Mm-hmm. We're showing how we self-regulate, right? I know you yeah. talk about that. And then you're not telling your kid, like, there's something wrong with you. Now, yeah. sometimes your child might say something and your immediate thought, and you might say, what the fuck, right? Wow. And you're like, the first thing out of your mouth or, is- Or this one. Alert. Oh, God. Right. Right. Oh God. What? Like, so if you do any of that, then you have a moment you're like, okay, I'm sorry. I was just super surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. Give me a minute. Right. Give me a minute. Um, give me a minute. And yeah, it's fine. I know you talk about this, but as long as you're saying I'm having a thing going on, right. Something's up Mm -hmm. with me here. I need a pause. Also, if you initiate a conversation with your kiddo about something and you're talking and they start doing the looking away or like plugging their ears, say, you know what, we'll pick this up later. Or if you're talking about something and you're starting to get hot and you're starting to get worked up, then just say, you know what, I just need to think about this some more. We'll finish this up later. So yeah. you can run away, but you have to come back. Yeah. You can't Short say we'll talk about it later. Frequent. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love that. Thank you for telling me, right? Or I'm so glad that I feel like a safe person for you to share this with. And give me a minute. Give me a minute. We'll come back to this. Adolescence, for the majority of our kids, is when they become sexually active. Like, it's just a hard fact, right? Yep. Whether that's like making out and grabbing part. Well, hopefully not grabbing, but, you know, the gentle, lovely caressing. All the way to doing the deed. <laughs> yeah, do you like that caressing? <laughs> when was the last in, time in you tandem. were caressed? In tandem. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you have for parents that are freaking, like, I feel like there's so many parents, we just don't want to accept that. 
And we're, you know, but it is part of their development. And so how do we help listeners right now who are like, yeah, 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 I know, but I just don't, I don't want it to be a part of their development. Like, what would you say? Sorry. (laughs) Um, It is part of their development. So a couple things. So educating yourself about sexual behavior and sexual development in children is a really good thing to do. So you know what's a coming. So you Mm -hmm. know what's typical, like what you just talked about. So for folks who are in puberty and they're 11 to on up, like usually in that 11 to 13 year old range, that's what they're doing. But they might try making out a couple times. They don't do it like if they're 16, right? So if you just know that developmentally, this is where they're at, that's great. And then the thing that's going to help you feel better is if you have been talking with them and helping them be prepared for when this stuff starts coming up, like they need to know if there's hanging out with somebody and they want to kiss them, maybe that they need to know, you know, the thing to do is to ask first. And if their Mm -hmm. potential partner doesn't ask first and just goes in for it, there's something to think about, right? Like there's a lot of detail and nuance stuff, but if you're thinking about how prepared can I get them, then that'll take it down a notch. Because if you know that you have condoms and plan B, of course, if that's within your family values, then you'll know, and they know that, then you'll know there's just a little sense of relief. But I'm saying that. And one thing that people also sometimes think is that if you talk with your kids openly about sex, they're going to go out and do it. Guess what? It's not true. Do it anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You talk to them, you don't talk to them. They're going to do it anyway. Right. Well, and I love there's been a couple shows like young, not young, but like teen shows, a couple, not very many that they've really weaved in the consent conversation really nicely where it's like, oh, that wasn't how it went in the late 80s when I was getting busy as a young person. And then to think like, oh, I'm like, it feels awkward to think about how, you know, the expectation around consent now, what does that look like? So anytime I see it in the media, I'm like, oh, right on. That's what it looks like. And I, if we're watching something together, I'll be like, oh my God, that was so cool that they just seem, you know, it didn't wreck the mood. It didn't, you know, do anything, but make sure that everybody's on the same page. So I love using, and you said, you know, talking about our kids, what's going on with your friend group? What are you hearing about at school? Like there's a lot of side doors into these conversations to land what you want to be landing with them without saying like, so last night when you were in the car, 45 minutes before you came in the house where they're, you know, did you get consent? Did you get consent? Did you ask before you did that thing? Did you, did he ask? Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And that's a good point too, because like you can use the world around you, like movies, shows, music, there's all kinds of these, all kinds of opportunities. And you, you could do it in the moment. Like mom yesterday asked me, you know, I've been turning the, what have I been doing? Oh, she said, I'll pause the movie. And then I'll say, now, what I really loved about this interaction was, and I was like, you got to stop doing that. So you just got to, so just do it later and say, Hey, in this, this moment, I loved this, or I didn't like that. Just do it later. Like when we were watching, I've been, I just watched never have I ever, have you watched that? Yeah, it's cute. Yeah. Wait, is it the Mindy Kaling show? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. It's this East Indian gal who's in high school and just trying to sort it out. And they have Mm -hmm. All kinds of different stuff goes on. It's really great. And it's a really good show to watch with kids because there's so much to talk about later and in the moment too. But, you know, one thing I think that like one of my big pieces of advice is that it's fine to plan. It's fine to plan. Like that one of the reasons I wrote Sex Talks with Tweens is because if you think, okay, I need to talk about consent or oral sex or something that feels tough or even not tough. You can read the book and read the oral sex section and you'll get that. And then you're like, all right, within 48 hours, I'm going to make this happen. Or even just read it. 
Because you can just say, I'm really uncomfortable. I don't know how to talk to this. I'm just going to read this to you. And they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. And literally, listeners, like Amy's book is written as if you're speaking. It's not like this is informative information for parents. It's literally the words that you can say. And I appreciate that you're like, and you get to put in your values and you get to create, you know, make this to be in your voice. Or like you just said, just read it straight from the book. Right. I love that. That's so, so useful. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And you cover like everything. So talk a little bit about how did you decide where to go? Like, what was your thought process? And I remember, was this, like, I remember you working on this book because you did a lot of crowdsourcing. I did. Yes, I did. I did a lot of crowdsourcing and I've been at this a long time. So I know what people always ask me, like they're these Mm -hmm. top questions. And then, you know, I just think I, I can't, I can't remember. Why'd you ask me that? I think I just looked at it in terms of kind of categories of things. So, right. That like, what's a clitoris, right? What's an ovary? Like, what do you say to explain these like parts? And then I thought about, okay, then there's all this relationship stuff we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. There's sexual behavior stuff. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, we have to talk about porn. So I laid it out in a way that made just sense to me and it's kind of compartmentalized, but everything always overlaps because you can't talk about clitoris without talking about orgasms. But if you don't like what's a clitoris, well, it's a little bump in a female body that's at the top of the, right in the labia minora, there's a little bump above the urethra, above the vagina, all you touch it, it feels good. That's its only job, right? It causes people to have orgasms or can't. What's an orgasm? What is an orgasm? It's like a sneeze in your crotch, right? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) So you can't talk about that. And then you're like, oh crap, now I got to talk about some kind of sex, right? Like it's always this cascade. And 
which I think can be overwhelming. But, you know, one of the things about planning is you can say, okay, like one tip is to write down all the things you feel like you're behind on, write them down, make a list, then go back and rate them in terms of ease to terror. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if it's a one, it feels easy. If it's a five, you're going to get a sweaty upper lip, plus maybe some more things will go on. And then start ticking off the list. Because when you see what happens when you talk about a one thing and no one dies, it throws up, and then you can keep rolling until you can get to the harder stuff. And, you know, the end of the day, they're just going to appreciate it. Yeah. Even if the look on their face isn't telling you that message. Well, like, for example, of the overlap, one of the things that I really appreciated that I saw was And you've always, you know, been a proponent of, we got to talk about porn. Our kids are looking at porn. They're seeing porn. It's happening. Porn is happening, whether you like it or not. And a section that I really appreciated in the, like, different ways people have sex. And I love that you say, if the word sex is in the description, like oral sex, anal sex, it is sex, right? And one of the things that you say about anal sex is the fact that so many of our kids are seeing porn it's normalizing this act that most of us don't do and we don't have to do and we're not expected to do. And so I think it's really important, even though the thought of talking about anal sex with your kid is like, I mean, that's four. That's a thumbs down. Four or five on (laughs) the rating scale. Yeah, for sure. But if we don't talk about it and then our sons or our daughters are in a sexual relationship and that's the expectation and they've been watching porn, you know, it's just, I just think it's, it's just so important, no matter how uncomfortable you are, we got to talk about this stuff. We do. We do. And yeah, they think that, you know, they see porn and they use it as sex education. They think, you know, porn starts in the middle and they don't understand that people don't, regular folk don't do those things. Their bodies don't do like, look like that. They don't make Mm -hmm. those noises. The industry is a shit show. Like, They do get that. They think they do get some of that. But if your sex primary sex educator is porn, which is absolutely a thing, then you're getting all kind of mixed up stuff, right? Like kids need to know that sex actually starts with a conversation. A tiny one sometimes, right? Right. Because people do hook up, right? But just Mm -hmm. talking about like, usually like when people are learning to have sex, it's slow, right? It usually ideally it takes time. It's slow. You get to know each other's bodies. And Hopefully, is it still slow? Oh, of course not. I mean, you know, it's all over the map still. Yeah. Right? We're talking like perfect world. Yeah. We're talking perfect like world. Like make out. What? Yeah, make Bring it out. Bring back the make out. Bring it back. Right? Making out's fun. I know. Here we are. How long have we been married? Oh, <laughs> yeah, we could totally. make out. That's an idea. <laughs> Remember how Remember that, that Remember that was fun oh, back in the day. Yes. Back. Well, one of the things that came up in the Joyful Courage for Parents of Teens Facebook group, shameless plug, is one of the moms was saying, you know, I know that my child is having sex and they want their partner to come over and I'm a hard no. I am not going to give them a space to be doing this thing. Not in my house, right? So you can already hear in my tone, perhaps my opinion about their Maybe sex, a little bit. Sexuality. So how do you respond? I'm sure that you've had parents come talk about this with you too. How do you respond to that? Well, I mean, the first thing is this. Where are they going to do it then? Where are they doing it? They doing it in the car? Maybe they're doing it at the other kid's house. They're doing it at other people's houses. They're probably doing it in your house when you're not there. Mm. Are they doing it in the McDonald's bathroom? Gross. I did not say that. But right, like where are they doing it? And are the places they're doing it, is it safe? Right. Mm -hmm. I just named a lot of places that weren't necessarily safe. 
And so, yeah, I get that. Like when I remember I was, Milo was like nine and I was teaching a class and I said something about sex at home. And this gal was like, yeah, I'm totally letting my kids have sex at home. And I was like, oh, oh. like even me, I was like, oh, I would never. Well, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> I got over that. I got right on over that because it's a safety issue. Right. And if your value is that you don't want your kids having sex at home, then okay. You know, my Carrie said, you can have sex at home. I just want to see it, hear it, or smell it, right? I'm in the end. So mm. it's a family value thing, but that big push, no way, no how, really reduces, like I'm assuming it's penis and vagina sex that's happening. What's she going to do if she gets pregnant? She can't talk to you. Mm-hmm. She already knows. How, maybe she will. Maybe she won't. Or if it's, you know, it doesn't matter. So you really have to decide, like, what's safest for my child? It's safest for your child to have sex at your house. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. And yeah, at the end of the day, if we were in the Netherlands, they don't even think twice about it. That's just what you do. Yeah. And they do better than we do. Well, and I know for me, like my thoughts around that were so different before I had a sexually active kid, right? Like I thought I knew how I would be. And then it came up and it was like, oh my gosh, like first, how much work am I going to do to make sure this doesn't happen? Like how hard do I want to work around that? But also, if we're coming from this place of this is appropriate for their development, they're in a good relationship, it's not like, hey, bring your hookup to yeah. our house. No, no. way. No. no, 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 no. No, you just hook up in the McDonald's bathroom. Yeah, Thank just you. go to McDonald's for that, please. <laughs> but right, I mean, we're giving so many messages around that. And listeners, I know it's like, we're probably all kind of like, oh, God, oh, God. You know, it's squishy and I appreciate you always bringing it back to family values 100%, but really asking ourselves, what do we want most for our kids? What kind of experience do we want them to be having? You know, and then when you're in it, you know, call me or Amy and we'll hold your we'll hand. talk you off the ledge. We'll talk you off the ledge. <laughs> talk we'll you, off, talk the ledge. you off the ledge. You do spend time on your book talking about gender, talking about sexuality, you know, so I can't even, I don't, I don't have a question for this, but I have a question for this. Like, what do we need to remember as parents when we've got kids that are in the continuum of gender, in the continuum of sexuality? What's the main message that we want to be sending to those kids around these conversations? I love you no matter who you are. Yes. Yes. I love you no matter who you are. I might not understand this. I might not understand this part of you. I'm here. I'm going to support you. I might make mistakes, but I love you no matter what. And I'll do my freak out on my own time. Yeah. LGBTQ kids have a suicide rate that's four times higher than the general population. So no one wants that. And so one of the things we know is that parental support is the main thing that keeps them on par with their, with the general population, which no one wants to talk about that anyway, but yeah, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. You can say that, but I'm here for you. Help me understand what do you need from me? You know, if somebody changes their gender and their name or the pronouns or whatever's going on, you need to ask, you know, who knows, who can I tell? How do you want to handle this in our family? Let them lead the charge. And for a lot of people, this is very confusing, especially the gender piece. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you raise a kid and for 18 years and they go from Nicole to being Nick. And then mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Right? And it seems to be starting, like kids who are in, around 11, 12, 13 are starting to really explore their gender, much more expansive view of gender and sexual orientation. This is developmentally normal. It just is something that we were quashing 
and mm-hmm. hiding and didn't have enough information about. So, and it's not experimentation. Do not use that word or you will have a disconnect with your child. Mm-hmm. You can say exploration, curiosity, expansion, whatever, nice mm-hmm. words. And wait, our pal Joe Langford says, hold it lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Hold it lightly. And what I really appreciate is I love you no matter what. Help me educate me to understand. But even if I don't understand, I love you no matter what. Because, you know, and that's something that I've said to parents who have reached out to me, confused, wondering, is this a phase? Well, when parents come to me and they're freaking out about their child's exploration around gender specifically, and then it's the other conversations like, well, yeah, it's like a trend and they're on TikTok and they're da 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 da. da. I love that this generation has permission. I mean, based on where you are, I know that we live in a lovely bubble. They have permission to outwardly express and explore and they're finding each other. So rather than like, well, all their friends are doing this thing. Well, yeah, all their friends are doing this thing because they found their people, found their people. They found belonging in a space, in a world that there's still a lot of messaging about who they're supposed to be. So yes, and regardless, holding it lightly, wait and see, and accepting, 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 because these kids are on the fringe, right? They're the ones that we need to hold tightly inside of this love bubble because, you know, the world is... It is. And you can't tell by looking. Anyway, so just believe them. And like I said, do you freak out on your own time? Yes. Do you freak out on your own time? And wait. And wait. And wait. And keep talking and keep being open and keep working on your facial expressions. Right. Keep poker facing. Keep poker facing. Make your tea. Take a moment to make some tea. Tea. Make some tea. Yes. Amy, your book is so good. I love that it's just written in such a neutral way and it allows so much space for parents to make it their own and to plug in their values. And I'm really excited. Because listeners, Amy is going to do a three-part series for the Joyful Courage community for parents of teens in November. So we decided it's going to be called Talking with Teens about S-E-X. We have, because why not? I love it. I love it. So highlighting some of the thing, places that Amy's going to go in this training with you all is what they need to know ASAP, right? Like those main points. She's going to talk about gender and sexual orientations. And, you know, I think what's important, I just want to say, if you are a parent of like a kid that is cisgender straight, right? And it's clear that that's, it's still important for you to become educated because they have friends. You have friends. You have friends with kids who are exploring gender and sexuality and they need you. They need you to be educated. So I'm really excited about session two and all you're going to talk about then. And then finally, the last session is the porn talk. Let's talk about porn. Let's talk about the statistics. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about porn, baby. Um, Yeah. That's what we're going to be doing. So it's kind of a it's sort of general and then a couple specifics. And for when I was, we were looking at, I was looking at this, like what's really important. It's yeah, the developmental stuff, that's really important because that kind of gives you roots. But then the things that are the hottest right now for teens and families are gender, sexual orientation and porn. Mm-hmm. And I just want to piggyback on what you said about if your kid's cisgender and straight and cisgender means that their gender, they were given at birth, matchy matchies, their private parts. If you are an open and askable parent and you 
are that way in general and their friends will see you as that parent. And so if you have a kid in your kid's friend group that is not straight or queer in some way, they're going to be likely to talk to you. And so if you're well informed, you're going to be a better advocate for that child. Because some kids, of course, are in families where they cannot possibly be who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tragic. And good news. Here's the link, everyone, because you can enroll right now at besproutable.com slash sex talks. That's the link. That's the hot link for the hot sex talks series with Amy. Um, And we have a bonus. If you enroll in the next 48 hours, which is before, we'll say before Wednesday at midnight from when this podcast goes live. So that's more than 48 hours. But if you enroll before then, you will get the PDF of Amy's book and access to the Positive Discipline for Teens Summit that I created a couple of years ago. So you're going to want to get on it. You're going to want to save your spot. Do it. Besproutable.com slash sex talks. Anything else you want to say about the series, about what you're going to be delivering to parents through those three talks, Amy? Interactive, question answers. Yeah, interactive, question answers, breakout rooms. One of the best things, as you all probably know, is that we learn from each other. Mm. I like to give people a chance to talk about what they're learning. And I think that deepens the learning. The other thing is that when we do this, we'll do some Q&A that's recorded. And then we'll do 10 or 15 minutes of unrecorded Q&A. So you don't have to be shy. You can just ask. I think that is something that is really important to people. And I think with all of our recording every F and thing, it's nice to have a space where it's not recorded. So I think that the good news is if you can't make one of them, you're going to get the recording. And so you can get caught up and we're fun. I'm fun. You'll learn stuff. You'll feel better. You'll feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about you. Like you bring lightness to this thing that can feel really weighty to parents. And so that's that's one of your huge gifts. So wrapping up, is there anything else you want to make sure to leave parents with today as we close this conversation? Yes. Start small. Mm. Pick one small thing that you think you can do. So maybe it's you get my book, right? Sex Talks with Tweens. There's stuff in there. It doesn't matter if you have a tween. It works for everybody. Do that. Maybe it's you make that list of all the things and you rank it. So pick one little thing. And then remember, this is about preparing your child for one of the biggest parts of life. I don't think we do much of anything that's bigger than this. And imagine if you had had an open, committed, loving parent that talked with you and helped you be prepared. So there's that. You can do this. Yes, you can do it. You can do it. And before I let you go, I know I've asked you this question before because you've been on the pod, but what does joyful courage mean to you today, Amy Lang? Oh, I love that. Thank you. What does it mean to me today? You know, I think it just means just like I just having this conversation. It just reminded me that this is a joyful thing. Like sexuality is a joyful thing. And if you, it takes some courage to have these conversations and it takes courage to take that on, right? To switch, right? To switch from this being a burden to this being like a source of joy. So yeah, I think that's what it means to me. I love it. I love it. And again, it's called Sex Talks with Tweens. But listen, you guys, with older teenagers, it is absolutely a valuable resource. You need to get your hands on it. Don't think like, well, it's for those younger kids. It is not. It is not. Where can people find your book and follow your work, game? 
So birdsandbeesandkids.com, you can find it there. And also if if you're in there, there's a freebie button. So click on that and you'll get some fab, fabulous freebies. All the places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Book Baby, so all the usual Yay. spots. Yay. Great. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me. I so appreciate you. Anytime. All right. Thank you again for listening in to another show. Please check the show notes for any links mentioned in this episode. If you liked what you heard today, will you do me a favor and share it? Screenshot the show, plaster it all over your socials so that other parents know that we are creating value over here for them. If you really want to earn a gold star, head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. This does so much for the show, for the exposure. It's a great way to give back. Thank you to my team at Sproutable for all your support. Alana, Julieta, I love you so much. Thank you to Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for keeping the show sounding so good. And you, listener, thank you for continuing to show up. This is hard work that we're doing. I encourage you in this moment, in this moment together, let's take a deep breath in and follow that into your body. Hold it for a moment. Exhale. And with that exhale, release the tension. And I invite you to trust. Trust that everything is going to be okay. I'm so happy to support you. So glad to have spent time with you today. I'll see you next week. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.